Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, hello, leavers and believers, and thank you so much for joining us here on Leaving Hillsong. This is season two, episode two, and I'm sorry that it's only episode two, but we've had a couple of holdups over the last couple of weeks, which you'll hear about today. With me today is our holy pastor, the Reverend Michael Bones, who you will remember from the episode last season, the bathwater or the baby. Was it the baby or the bathwater? This is recorded on the weekend of the 19th of March 2022 and following just after revelations that Brian Houston, senior global pastor of Hillsong, uh, formerly had been accused by his own board and disciplined as such uh, for indiscretions regarding women. The global board subsequently put out a letter after they had a meeting with kind of 800 of Hillsong's closest leaders. And we're going to be looking at that letter. But first, we're going to be talking about my most recent arrest. Now, whatever you think of Hillsong or Brian Houston, if you've been involved with them or you are close to people who have these recent turn of events are going to have a serious effect on the community of Hillsong members and ex-Hillsong members and their friends and family. So please try and be kind to the people around you. There's a lot of emotions brewing. And yeah, we need to really talk it out. We need to really rip it open and have a look at exactly what's been going on here. But it's your job to kill them with kindness. Please excuse the rough editing I didn't have the usual amount of time to go over this. Your coffee should be ready by now. Please take care of yourself while you listen to this interview and think on the issues that we're raising. If you're in Australia, then it's 1-800-273-8255 for Lifeline. Or just reach out to one of us. There's enough of us now. You can contact one of us through Living Hillsong or one of the pages and there'll be someone that will talk with you. So look after yourselves. 
and everybody around you. This is Powerful Men and the Greasy Pole. Hello, Tanya, and um, thank you for having me on as a guest to interview you on the Leaving Hillsong podcast. Brian Houston has been charged for concealing his father's child abuse or the failure to report it. And so that's going before the courts now. And Tanya, so you attended one of the the pre-hearings for that. Yeah, so as it turns out, I don't actually live that far from the court building. And there was another what we call a mention in Australia, which is just just like a court date that nothing big's going to happen. But I understood that Brian was going to enter a plea and there was going to be a date set for a trial if he were pleading not guilty. So I wandered down to see what was going on. I mean, there's been sort of minimal media coverage of the actual proceedings of the court. There's a bit here and there, but, you know, for people who want to know the the trajectory of this, that, you know, how this is going, there's not a lot to follow. So I thought I could update the, the, the few people that read my social media pages. Let's put this in context. Hillsong is one of the most successful Pentecostal brands. They have a global reach. They're very expansionistic. They're you know, an Australian export, really. They've packaged up uh, a particular type of Christianity and they have yeah, successfully exported it to the world. So Brian Houston, as the head of this organisation, is... Uh, the attention of the law going towards him and what he did or didn't do in relation to his father's pedophilia is really important, particularly when so many people have been coming out all around the world saying that there's a toxic culture and there's a culture of abuse within the church. And so, you know, it, it makes sense that people are interested, but also for yourself and your journey that you would be getting along there to report on it and to keep everyone up to date with what's going on. And even just yesterday, that more allegations have come out, which we will get to um, later today. But before we go there, let's take us back. So this was, so this is like last week. So you went down to the court and um, what happened This is the there? 10th of March. 10th of March, I, I mean, I, I got there late. I sort of got there about 11.30 and I I actually made it quite clear to them that I wanted to talk to somebody about securing a, like a victim's advocate role in the court proceedings so that if there were a kind of a closed court situation that I could organise around that because there are so many people affected by the actions of this man and mainstream media don't really understand the trauma they don't understand the impact that being involved in an organization like that has had so that's kind of you know left up to the you know us for now is is just there's quite a few former members now with accounts and you know saying all kinds of things on different platforms so and so Oh, just just tell us what happened. So you you went to the courtroom. I mean, just until I guess this goes through court, what happened was a series of photos appeared later in the day on my People in Glass Houses Facebook page. And there was a picture of a courtroom door, the court that Brian was going into, a picture of some anger management program uh, that, that the courts are running or something. And I had I had checked in on Facebook. And so there was that, that picture and a picture of the court list with, you know, Brian Houston's name in alphabetical order there with everybody else. And I'd written next to it how common, because really, I mean, now he's just a kind of common criminal in the eyes of the law. And, yeah, so that was I guess, that was the Thursday afternoon those pictures went up and the next night there was a knock at the door at 7.45 and there were three police officers there. And I answered the door. There'd been a violent incident in my neighbourhood and we'd had, you know, police had attended and I thought they were following up on that. Yeah, they said, you're under arrest. And 
I wonder if the footage will come out later because I was like, my jaw dropped. I was like, for what? And they said, for, you know, taking photos in court. And it's okay. Um, then I was told to... I was told to remove my jewellery because I was going to be put into custody and to remove any clothes with strings on them. And I had a top on with strings at the top. And so a police, a female police officer accompanied me and to my room and I got changed into, you know, a, a safer top. The disturbing part was as that was kind of finishing, they said, so can we come in? And I was, well, I'm getting changed. I mean, I, yeah, I guess if I'm going to. And this other officer just stormed into my kitchen and had a look around and was like, you know. Did they have a warrant? Well, I, I said to him, excuse me, do you have a warrant to do that? And he said, there could be knives or scissors here and I don't want one of them plunged into my neck. And the other officer said to me, yeah, we don't know you. And I said, but this is a photo charge. So, so these officers have come into your house and now they're searching your premises and you've asked them if they have a warrant and they haven't provided you with one, although they've, they've said that they, they're here to arrest you. He said, he said, well, you're under arrest. Right. Uh, but uh, from memory, yeah, he did it a second time right before we left as well as if he was sort of checking to... Um, he seemed to be kind of separate from the other two who were working together. And, yeah. Did um, you get the officers' then, names? Did they present their names and their, their numbers for you? I can't remember on the, at the time. Yeah, um, things happened, so that, that must have been a real shock. Yeah. So then, so then what happened? So you changed your top, they barged um, around your kitchen and your house, and then, and then what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was weird because I was like half getting dressed and they said, you better change your shoes, you can't have strings. And I went downstairs with them. I live in an apartment block and they took me to the police van and the female officer sort of body searched me, patted me down and they took my shoes with the strings and I was put in the back of a police van and driven to, um, it's the Darling Harbour station. I can't remember its name, but it's just near Darling Harbour in Sydney. Wow. And so, so what happened once you got there? So I was, I was put in a cell and locked in. And then over the course of the next five or six hours, you know, things, processes took place. So I was asked if I had been read my rights twice before mm-hmm. on the third time someone came and read my rights to me. Um, so wait, so you're um, in jail and they hadn't read your rights? No, and both times before it happened, I'd said no, no one has, and then they just walked away. So that sounds procedurally <laughs> uh, upside yeah, down. It was a, yeah, a series of things, and then they were very keen to interview me and said, you know, you don't have to participate in the interview; you can decline. And I said, well, I decline. And they said, well, it's going to happen anyway. And after a couple of times of that, they led me into an interview room and recorded an interview with me. Wow. So what, what sort of things did they ask you about in the interview? Well, look, it's very, there was a, a the, the leading officer was very uh, assertive, shall we say, you know, um, what were you doing there? You took the photos and who's Brian Houston and who are these Hillsong people? And, you know, it it was, I don't know, I was wondering what his instructions had been. So I just, I mean, I declined to comment the whole way through and said, well, I better get a lawyer then if you're going to make me do an interview that you said I could decline. And I really, I guess, you know, I should have been a lot more, should have been much more informed than I, I was, but, yeah, I was fingerprinted. I've got mug shots now somewhere. Yeah, turn left, turn right, the whole thing. And then you just sit and wait. And the sergeant told me that she would, you know, be considering whether I would get bail that night. And so did you get bail? Or what happened? Yeah, so they told me a couple of times they can keep you for six hours um, once you've been arrested and... I sort of sat there and then, you know, 
taken out for fingerprints, taken out for photos. And eventually, you know, it was getting closer to the end of the six hours and more people were coming through. So I figured they'd want to give me bail. It was just a general custody kind of reception area. And yeah, I left, I don't know, about 1.30 in the morning. One more time. So they didn't give you a lift home. <laughs> Put you on the street at two in the morning. Here's my question. How the heck did, and well, that was 24 hours after the procedural hearing. Is that right? Like the next yeah, day? Yeah, we'll call it 36, 36 okay. hours, I guess. So a couple of days after you've been in the court, suddenly the cops are knocking at your door. How the heck could they have, how would that have even been brought to their attention? do you think? Well, I guess these are some of the questions that people can ask. That's what I would like to know is like of all the priorities of the police, um, how, how is that up there for three to occupy three offices and who made that call? Yeah. I, you know, Australia is not that big a country really in terms of the networks and, professional and personal and political and I guess it wasn't until we all found out what was going on in people's minds you know just a few days later Mm. I I really think that all ties in Mm. to to find out that Brian Houston's struggling with alcohol issues and impulsivity and all those kinds of things. Um, So maybe we should catch people up on the, the news that broke yesterday. Yeah. So, and again, these are all allegations at this point. So all we're doing is discussing what's, well, for me anyway, what's been in the media and hearing your story around it. So, well, we're, I mean, all we've got is the media and then the letter, the official statements from Hillsong, which yes. is on their website and there. Yeah. So, so what, what can you no, summarize for people? What? Oh, no, you... you're doing good. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yesterday I just saw a couple of articles where, I mean, this was, I guess it was going to become public somehow, some way, but the Hillsong board have acknowledged that there's two incidences with Brian that have been of concern to them. One nine or 10 years ago involving some text messages with former employee and then the other involving him that, as they allege, wandering into the room, the hotel room of female for 40 minutes or something like that before leaving. Do you want to just jump straight into the letter? I I wonder if we should have a look at what they're saying has happened. We haven't really heard anything from anybody officially yet, like any individuals out there in the community. So I guess all there is is, you know, people that have spoken to the media and the word from Hillsong. So, do you want, I mean, I've got it up here. So the Hillsong Global Board sent a message on the 18th of March. It looks like it was 5.33 in the afternoon, so peak news time, and it was addressed to the church. So they said, Dear Church, the Global Board of Hillsong Church would like to advise you of some important information hang concerning... On, hang on a sec. Why don't we have a look at what they've said has happened and, yeah, and, say, and how they've responded to it? Well, they said we have been sadly dealing with two complaints made against Pastor Brian over the last 10 years. Let's go through it paragraph by paragraph. Do you know what I mean? Let's like, dear church, the global board of Hillsong would like to advise you of some important information concerning our global senior pastor, Brian Houston. There is significant media coverage around these issues and it is important that you hear from us, understand the truth and have knowledge of the actions of the board during these times and the heart behind these actions. Which I could, if I can just jump in. Yeah, yes. Again, for people, um, just so you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I have a law degree and I'm just going to read between the lines of this. This is the board saying, this is our story, but also... It's them protecting themselves. Board members are individually responsible for the actions of the entity. Okay. So they've got a fiduciary duty, you know, to take appropriate action. So basically what the board is doing here 
to my mind, is they're setting themselves up to show that we've been engaging in proper due process and, you know, we're, we're looking after this. So that's the, there's, there's, that's the setup in that paragraph from, from my take. Well, I mean, understand the truth, like they possess the monopoly on that is so interesting. They've got truth and knowledge and importance and... Trust um, us, not whatever victim statement may or may not come out about it. Yeah. yeah. They, they make that clear from the start. All right, go. Can you read? Yeah. Do you want to read the next paragraph? Well, now you go. Oh, no. I'd, I'd like, I'll, you read and I'll, I'll give a hot take. <laughs> All right, go. Yeah, so third paragraph, uh, they say, as you're aware, Pastor Brian recently stepped aside from his ministry duties when he stepped down in January this year. The reasons he gave were genuine. The situation with his father over many years had taken a personal toll that was greater than he realised and he needed to focus on his upcoming legal issues. You know, for people that don't know, I think it was somewhere in early January Brian announced that he'd been advised that it would be best practice uh, considering the charges before the court relating to the concealment charge, that he step aside, you know, hand the reins over and, and focus on that court matter. And this is a different story. I mean, it's also, again, that is an, an organisation trying to protect itself. So what is happening, I think, at a deeper level here is there's a business which is called Hillsong that in Australia has revenue of over $100 million every year, tax-free. And the person who grew that organisation, Brian, is now becoming a threat to it. So the board is uh, attempting to create some separation and tease out the different levels of responsibility here. Uh, so anyway, moving, moving on to the, the next paragraph, at the time of his announcement, the Hillsong Church Board did not make a public statement because they were still working through a number of issues privately with Pastor Brian. These issues are now public and therefore we would like to share with you the details. Again, now why have they that, waited? Hey, I mean, why have they, yeah. they've, they've only waited to address this until the story was already going to break. So this is not yeah. them. Yeah. Being, I mean, they're saying it themselves. This is not them being accountable <laughs> or transparent. This is them basically saying we've been dealing with this internally what, like they dealt internally with Frank over many years. So anyway, so next paragraph. We have sadly been dealing with two complaints made against Pastor Brian over the last 10 years. These matters, like all such matters under our code of conduct, were dealt with confidentially. Why were they dealt with privately? Well, it's appropriate for when complaints are made for them to be handled um, confidentially. That is... No, there's not necessarily a problem, particularly when you're trying to figure out what has happened within an organisation. There's not necessarily anything untoward about that because there's also like privacy with employment law, but then, you know, as they say, we're yeah, a church that believes in grace, love, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And they're then trying to, again, so what they're also trying to do is mollify people who currently go to church and give 10% of their income to the organisation they're trying to say you can assuredly you can be assured that the investigations were treated extremely seriously. So either the board or one of their integrity units to resolve complaints against credentialed pastors, and they were assisted by these highly respected external pastors and advisors. Again, every organization, whether it's a church or a, or a business, again, churches are basically businesses at this scale, but they they will have internal processes so that if someone has been wronged you can make a complaint and again you know try to address things as quickly and as promptly as possible obviously that becomes a challenge when the person who has is alleged to have um, committed these acts are extremely powerful within the organization for those who aren't aware the global board of hillsong overrides uh, any other kind of board or, or governance documentation. So so let's have, I mean, let's have a look at what happened. The mm-hmm. first issue was approximately a decade ago, the, the, the letter continues, and involved inappropriate text messages from Pastor Brian to a member of staff. 
which subsequently resulted in the staff member resigning. At the time, Pastor Brian was under the influence of sleeping tablets upon which he had developed a dependence. He immediately apologised to the person. When? After when when was it that he, when the complaint came through? Okay. Uh, we also worked closely with Pastor Brian to ensure he received professional help to eliminate his dependency on this medication and this was achieved successfully. To this former staff member, we again apologise and would welcome the opportunity to provide further assistance if this is needed. Now, in the context of their hand has been forced and they're only talking about this because it's gone public, you know, who is apologising? Why is Hillsong apologising if they've dealt with it properly? What are they apologising for? And Again, I mean, to, I guess we'll to, to my about- mind, what it looks like they're doing is they're saying, whoever that person was, please don't come public with those messages or what happened. And if you like, we will pay you to be silent. That's that's okay. me decoding that I message. Decoding. Oh, I thought it was okay. They may have signed a non-disclosure agreement as part of any prior payoff. As we know, like to essentially try to uh, buy silence, and um, like the Catholic Church has done this for many moons as well. Say, ah, oh, your story is a bigger threat to the organisation, so we're going to pay you to hush up. And that, to my to my eye, is is what they're saying there. You've just got to wonder about the moment in which he thought, you know, I'm going to send these text messages and it's going to be okay. And I was speaking with a former pastor today who just, you know, was saying, look, how comfortable is this person to do these things uh you know could this possibly have been the first time so one we haven't seen any text messages so we don't have any idea what he said or what happened right so so there's no evidence that's been presented here except for the fact that the board is defending they're basically saying he was in an altered state Pastor Brian wasn't himself. Yep. He was under sleeping pills and, you know, oh, he had an, he had an addiction to it. So he, he wasn't himself. So they're setting that up as like an excuse for the behaviour. And then, uh, but, but, you know, we don't know what the text messages were, except that this staff member resigned shortly thereafter. Oh, so, yeah, another issue is that the stigmatisation of psych medicine Hillsong has for so long talked about, you know, praying depression away and taking your problems to God first before any kind of professional. And, you know, this is sort of speaks to someone who went, you know, down the medical pathways and now look what's happened. It's it's not a great response there either. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a pretty deep inquiry into the health of an organization. <laughs> reading it you know a couple of times you you notice different things because the second issue it says involved a complaint received in 2019 following an in-depth investigation it was found that pastor brian became disoriented after a session at the hillsong conference that's the one that scott morrison our prime minister attended at the time quite publicly following the consumption of anti-anxiety medication beyond the prescribed dose mixed with alcohol so whatever dependency was successfully achieved uh, over a decade ago, it hasn't quite sort of worked. All right, so this resulted in him knocking on the door of a hotel room that was not his, entering this room and spending time with the female occupant. Well, uh, again, so like it's, oh, sorry, it's yeah. kind of baffling what's going on here because, again, they're yeah. hedging the story around, oh, I didn't know what he was doing and all these, like, I don't know if you know anyone who takes anxiety medication, but I do. And getting disoriented can happen, right? But like accidentally stumbling into someone's room for 40 minutes is is sort of a different thing. And yeah, 
from my experience, benzodiazepine abuse, if that's what the anti-anxiety medication was, I mean, it can cause people to have memory losses. My experience is that people end up stealing. Women tend to, you know, shoplift when they've taken 50 Valium or something. I mean, it doesn't Mm. say how many, you know, men steal cars, they wake up in jail and stuff. But this is, this is, you know, an entirely different, so and and i mean we've been trying to figure out a timeline here as well so he's what been at the conference had dinner or something had dessert i don't know had what so much to drink then and then when does he take the pills to leave because surely if he were in a terrible state someone would have looked after him and not Mm. let him wander through the hotel alone and yet what five minutes later he doesn't know what what room yeah it sounds yeah manages to find a room where there's a where there's a female occupant that yeah um so shall we shall we push on so the investigation by the integrity unit appointed by the global board found that although all parts of the complaint were unable to be sustained again they're not saying what the complaint was important elements of the complaint were sustained and the conduct was of serious concern Ultimately, the board found that Brian had breached the Hillsong Passes Code of Conduct. Okay, this happened in 2019. Yeah. That's two and a half years ago. Yeah, and that's... So what happened between then and now? And then they also acknowledged whatever circumstances at the time, this person did not deserve to be placed in the situation she found herself in. Uh Again, such such a strange construction of... What again? They're saying without saying it, abuse. It, it, it's like it seems like that's what they're skirting around here, and it's hard to kind of pin this down because they're using such opaque language. And then here we go. So they're saying we're not victim blaming in that paragraph, and then the very next paragraph, we felt that we did all we could to assist the person who made the complaint and treated this person with compassion and respect, and also aided her. Aided by her requirement for confidentiality. So, again, we've got this culture of silence. So that whole respecting the confidentiality and that stuff just smacks of, you know, the victim didn't want to go to the police with. Mm. Depending on what happens with trauma, it can take a long time for people to get the courage up to talk about it and to go forward with it, particularly... If it's yeah. happened in an organization. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. That's quite authoritarian and has, or hierarchical, within which there's strong power dynamics at play. And particularly when, yeah, there's powerful men involved. So basically, heart goes out to these people Mm. and Mm. a victim or a survivor has should have the entire right whether they want something to be public or not it's completely their right the 
interesting thing yeah. is though again within a culture of suppression and you know how great is our leader we've got to keep them um you know particularly because they put themselves forward as being these beacons of morality then yeah. you know that people get shocked you know like even my mum was messaging me saying i'm shocked with the allegations of what's been yeah. happening with brian i shouldn't well, be but i am and it's like how many how many powerful pastors need to do these sorts of things for people to just disabuse themselves of the notion that people purporting to be holy holier than now actually are yeah I I mean I think it's interesting as well with Brian in particular he just hasn't really given off that kind of vibe he doesn't make those kinds of jokes he's held this stuff up so high one of his biggest responses to that after he finished announcing Frank's serious moral failure was to talk about how strong his marriage was, which, you know, was, was a kind of an odd response. All right, so... The next part is the, the board also met the request for the refund of money donated to the church by the person, and then the person agreed that in order to bring a resolution in the spirit of love, Pastor Brown was extremely remorseful and insisted on repaying this person's donations to the church so again the board is apologizing to the people affected but they're not explaining what happened so how do you apologize for something that you haven't actually clarified what has gone on the board here could actually say here's the complaints that have been leveled against pastor brian and actually clearly spell it out rather than talk about his mental state at the time and that it's really unfortunate that something bad happened Mm -hmm. they could actually say Mm -hmm. These are the accusations against Pastor Brian. Boom, boom. Like, is it abuse? Is it, you know, was he just, was he verbally? Was it physical? Was it sexual? They could clearly tell people, but they're not. And they, they're going into the process. So they're just talking about the process they're going through instead of actually addressing the root issue here, really. They've, they've uh, commit to being available for any further assistance they can provide. So Again, they're saying if you need more money, we'll give you more money or whatever Can you read that again, please? So this is the board saying we apologise unreservedly to the people affected by Pastor Brian's actions and commit to being uh, available for any further assistance we can provide. Right. On the one hand, it's like that's good. It's good that you're saying, you know, we want to make up, make amends. Part of the purpose of the law is to make amends for wrongs done. so, but, you know, they're, they're, this statement is, isn't necessarily that. So um, who are the, I mean, who are the people that are affected? They don't sort of really name them as well. Well, I assume they're, the, they're, ta- they're talking about the two victims. The, um, the recipient of text, the text 10 years ago, and then whoever this person was from 2019, um, this makes me think there's more people kind of affected that might have been affected along the way. Yeah. 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 Or I don't know. I mean, are these people that are going to be upset by the process and, and what is the assistance that they're going to provide? Like it's all good to say that in a letter, but what are they actually offering? All right. So following that investigation, Pastor Brian agreed to take specific action, including stepping down from leadership for a period. So I'm guessing that investigation then must have come, what, at the end of last year. However, unfortunately, he failed to take all the of, of the agreed steps, which resulted in further action being taken by the board in late 2021. Uh, Pastor Brian remains on a period of leave. So everything they said in January was untrue, which was all about the court case stuff. It's just, and they're admitting yeah. to it. Like that's, the thing that, that's the thing that, like, strikes me is the stepping down seeming like it was about the family and his stress with that court case where what they're saying here is they basically told him to step down two years ago or at least they're suggesting they told him to step down two years ago and he didn't and part of that is because the constitution of Hillsong makes it very hard to remove Brian so he kind of has legally embedded himself in the org so it's taken something this fatal for him to leave. Um, and I wonder if you would, because we've chatted a bit about purity culture, I wonder if you'd be 
able to tell people like how significant this is. I spoke to a, an activist friend of mine this week and she was like, yeah, affairs don't care, count in the real world. And it's really difficult to translate what that might mean in a culture like this. Having an affair? Yeah, for a leader to, I mean, yeah, they, I guess people who, you know, wouldn't view this as something that would end an organisation. But, I mean, is that a branding thing? Mm, look, so Christian purity culture is anti-human. It it sets you up to be at war with your biology. Humans are sexual creatures, right? That should not be a surprise to anyone. And instead of teaching consent and what that looks like, churches and the Australian Christian lobby, and not just in Australia, but in, in America, it's rife as well, teach an abstinence-only approach to sex, which, and further, that to think a thing is as bad as doing it. So what that means is like any erotic or pleasure-centred thinking uh, with anyone or, at, at, like, or about anyone is automatically a sin. And so they drill in this thought crime component to make you feel guilty anytime you feel attraction or arousal, which is really negative. So shame, shame is super harmful for the development, um, for the healthy development of children. And it's essentially a shame-based sexual ethic. And so often, you know, people uh, search purity culture online. There's so many people starting to talk up about how that shaming has been a real challenge for even people who do stay virgin until married and then they get married and then they're totally ill-equipped to accept pleasure on their wedding night and, you know, all this really deeply ingrained um, repression is, you know, it, it just comes up and then you start to flagellate yourself being like, oh, something wrong with me or da-da-da. You know, and, and again, it's not everyone who this impacts, but there's a there's a big chunk of people who are talking up about it. So it's worth it's worth listening to. And inevitably, right? Like people are in positions of power in their organizations with very few checks and balances, really. So when they inevitably like wander or they might develop feelings or attraction for someone else, they don't have a framework within which they could explore that and not be an evil okay. sinner, the word like, yeah. So from what you're saying earlier, though, if it's bad to have these thoughts, then why was Brian's confidentiality respected back then when he was sending text messages? And if this is such has such a big impact on an organisation like this. So um, just, to, how just do you, to, how do you explain that? There's absolutely no evidence that being a Christian or having any sort of Christian belief reduces your likelihood of, of infidelity, right? Divorce rates or like adultery rates, as far as I know, are pretty well the same whether you're Christian or secular or whatever. It doesn't really have a huge impact on whether people are going to stray or not. More broadly, there's like human societies when we were more hunter-gatherer were far with like fiercely egalitarian around um, not just our objects, but also our relationships with other people. It was more tribal in that sense. So the shift to agriculture and um, hoarding and the kind of the need, if you're not moving very far, the need to control resources, crops, that sort of thing, then women fell into that property bucket, which you can read in the Old Testament, like how many lambs or whatever for, for your daughter, <laughs> like the dowry idea came from that mm. and so that still continues today in the form of purity culture being it's very explicit like pray to your future husband and again only woman and man because god forbid anyone be queer or like attracted to the same sex or whatever so there's so there's lots in in that question but then obviously when leaders fail to meet, live up to their own standards. It's just highlights the hypocrisy of the whole endeavor. And yeah. then, and then it's, then people, people are hurt and people will likely leave the churches 
And really that's what they care about is like bums on seats, dollars in the bank, um, quote unquote, soul saved. So how do I explain to my friend that in this organisation an affair by the CEO is, you know, what's going to be the end, not the fact that there was rampant pedophilia being covered up or, you know, that there was all kinds of child abuse accusations going on. You know, how how do you explain that to people who haven't been involved in the system? So it's not, I don't think it's going to be the end of the org they're going to try to find a way to continue because an organisation sort of takes a life of its own on. And what I'm seeing happen here, which I think is quite interesting, is that like Phil Dooley's moved in now, right? And so it's a power grab. I think what we're watching now is this power okay. grab where, yeah, I think. Okay. So So like the board has realised that Brian can no longer lead it. They've known it for some time, but because of the... And the next paragraph in the statement from the board the senior park global senior pastor has a special special protection so the board actually couldn't really get rid of him if even if they wanted to super made they make it super hard to get rid of the leader now that is pretty similar across other um company structures as well think about hillsong not as this like nice church think of it as a company yeah. a global yeah. company that's exporting its product into multiple geographies so in Australia, in a way where this is happening, sometimes a board will oust a CEO as part of their legal responsibility to protect the interests of the company. And so that's basically, again, what's happened here is that the board has recognised that uh, he's a risk to our company. So we've got to try to get him out, but it's harder than most because of the kind Hi. of exceptions in the way that they've structured the organisation. They've done a lot of legal restructures over the years. They have a lot of very smart corporate minds in the organisation. Lots of people who are good at business, basically, are also believers. And so structurally, organisations want to continue just like a species wants to continue, just like a person wants to continue. And it seems like that there's a bit of a cleaving apart of interests here. So that's, I, I think, more what's happening than necessarily the board suddenly being like, we want you to hear the suddenly, truth. Because well, they've known this for, like, what, years, two years, three years? And this, now this well, is the first time we're hearing about it. Well, and then over a decade ago, I, that, that, that was the first one. But go and read the bit about how the board has always acted biblically, please. Sure. So the board has always endeavoured to act biblically, whatever that means, and in accordance with good governance. However, we understand that there has been a significant breach of trust. The board has been seeking external wise counsel and is reviewing our governance structure and measures to ensure high levels of accountability across Hillsong Church globally. Like many other churches of its size, Hillsong's governance model has historically placed significant control in the hands of the senior pastor, but we recognise the way we do things needs to be reviewed. We know that there are areas on which we can improve and we'll work honestly and transparently to that end. What does that even mean? So let me try to translate this corporate speak here. They're saying that it's been hard. We recognise that there's been a breach of trust. We couldn't really kick out Brian is what they're saying. We couldn't really do it. uh, And we're going to look into ways that we can protect. So think of it like this. Over the past 10 years, we've had what, five prime ministers, and so many times a political party would oust a sitting prime minister because they were doing poorly in the polls and they would get a new one in. So it's kind of like the opposite of that. Um, They made it so hard to oust a leader that even that they they had no, like, legal way to have a a, a transfer of leadership. They're going to review probably the constitution of the organisation to see whether there's a way that they can have a more healthy leadership structure, which I think arguably is a good thing that one person shouldn't basically be able to be emperor. It is worth saying that like, you know, running a global org like this actually is quite a complex um, undertaking and there will be lots of challenges just in terms of being around that many people but again it's coming they're they're coming out with like a very much expansionistic growth mindset where this is the board covering their own butts 
this is the board trying to keep bums on seats in Hillsong churches while they deal with this kind of corporate catastrophe, really. This is not them saying, wow, this guy's ruined some people's lives and we should really make amends for that, honestly. And even though, again, they're saying they're saying they are and they, they do care about the victims, but they don't have a reputation of centering uh, the voices of survivors. They have a reputation of silencing them. There's nothing in this letter about ensuring that, you know, women or, or anybody would be safe in the workplace. We're committed to safety in our congregation. You know, we're thoroughly reviewing sexual harassment policy. We're, they haven't even used that word you know, once. I mean, that's that's what it is at its at best case scenario. If you mm. Final two paragraphs here, they're just saying that, you know, they're there if anyone needs help or support, get it, reach out to your pastoral care team. They say, yeah. we are here for you. And as we work through this together, we are available to help and offer you support. Our pastoral care team can be contacted through our church office at your location. We also believe this is a time to focus our attention on the God who restores and rebuilds and encourage you to continue to meet together regularly, not just on Sundays, but in connect groups. <laughs> it's, man, they're just selling, always selling. Our interim global yeah, senior pastors, yeah. Phil and Lucinda Dooley, are doing an amazing job under difficult circumstances. We want to thank them and ask you to keep praying for everyone involved and for our church. We love you and thank you for your ongoing support. Again, please don't leave. Please keep paying your tithes. If you've got any issues, please just use all the systems we've got set up already and don't worry. We got this. Yeah, that, that was the board statement. So as, as you pointed out, Tanya, there's lots of questions around what actually happened. Like what, what are the claims? Because you can be transparent and they say the word transparent and accountability a lot. What they haven't yeah. said is what, what they know about the testimony of what happened, which can be delivered without exposing anyone's name so that can give people answers as to what's going on which you know if you're giving 10 percent of your pre-tax income to this organization you should you should demand answers right like you are paying for these people to have pretty opulent lifestyles and yes and yes. volunteering your time you deserve to know more about what happened and what these people have been doing uh, with... Isn't the board answerable to the shareholders? And, I, you know, aren't they the shareholders? And my, my other question, which, you know, has just occurred to me now, is if I, I spoke with someone just last night who had been sexually harassed in the course of volunteering at Hillsong and there just that. doesn't seem to be... Sorry? Oh, no, I just said I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I, it, it was, a, it's, you know, again, a, a horrible process and it's above and beyond not a very clear process and there's nothing in that letter that says, look, you know, people affected by the actions, what does the average person do if they wanted to have that conversation with their leader? You know, where are the policies? What are the procedures? What kind of outcomes can somebody hope for? There's nothing there's just nothing. The fish rots from the head. It's, it would have been such a wonderful opportunity to do it differently this time and it just hasn't been done. And all the stuff that came out about the, the Catholic Church, a lot of people where they lose their faith is not because of the episodes of abuse, even some of the most horrific cases, it's when they take that matter back to the church and the response is lousy that mm. you know people are so horrified and I'm really thinking that you know this response is probably going to affect people more than hotel rooms and and too much drinking and you know that, that those are issues in themselves but the way this has now been responded to it and I really appreciate your corporate input because I I just don't have that kind of knowledge or that lens to, to look through this stuff. I'm not an expert in corporations law or company law or anything like that. Yeah, there's a lot of corporate speak. I don't think what they've said is all bad, but there's a distinct lack of clarity 
around the allegations and as you say a reinforcement that like that should be an opportunity to say abusive behavior is completely unacceptable yeah zero tolerance here's a way that they could have upgraded that statement any form of abuse is completely unacceptable within hillsong the senior pastor has been accused over multiple years and incidences of whatever it is again they haven't said so it's a breach of the code of conduct from the the chief officer yeah 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 it's a heinous breach um this is completely unacceptable and you know this sort of behavior or cannot be tolerated and it seems like unfortunately it is so we're going to start a full campaign to address it get external experts in this in to do a review of the organization don't keep relying on this internal review that's like scientology level like we're gonna all review it ourselves and it's all fine no it's not sorry get someone in who's a pro from the outside and who doesn't have board members that you know because this has happened in the past who doesn't have board members on that legal firm that have other church connections and mm. are on you know other church boards like independent name them show us your processes not like the investigation into the east coast campus yeah. which they wouldn't reveal they they hillsong themselves revealed their findings of the independent investigation it's it just doesn't fly anymore hey yeah yeah and look like you know on the one hand i feel like i don't really have a dog in this fight like I didn't go to a Hillsong church when I was growing up, even though the church I did go to, everyone, you know, loved their music and whatnot. I visited a couple in Sydney just to be like, well, oh, how do they, you know, what do they do? And to be honest, they put on a really nice Sunday event. It's, a, it's you know, set up for coffee and there's free childcare and there's all this, you know, it's like I can see why people go. I think um, if you're new somewhere or if you don't have a your own local community, and then you get to be part of this big story about saving the world and, you know, saving souls and da da da. And it's it is self help, right? There's I think there's a, there's an aspect of like, you know, get this in order and get that in order. And I see the appeal there, but for, I guess you know if someone's listening who's in it, just demand more from your leadership, right? Like it's up to the people yeah. of Hillsong to organize like if you go to this church and you love it there then demand better that's not good enough that that board's response is frankly bullshit be like what happened you deserve to know um you don't need to know who but you deserve to know what and then in terms of this like fluffy language around reviews and stuff demand an external auditor to come in and to investigate the litany of abuse sexual or otherwise claims that have come up against hillsong churches in its various forms this is a this is a hundred million dollar per annum revenue generating business and tax free and but as if you go to a church right you're a customer of there and they're going to make it feel like you're part of the family and you're a customer they've got a product called jesus that they're selling you but they, they're running it in, in a fashion that is uh, their product is faulty, right? It's harming, their product is faulty. And part of that has been to do with the leadership, but we're dealing with people's lives. So you deserve better. It's not my place to call for this, but it, I think as someone who's grown up in it, in, in Pentecostalism in general, I have an insight, but just demand, demand better. Because you can you could have a really, really healthy um, culture there, should you? Mm-hmm. But, but you, I think, you know, it's it is possible. But it but healthy cultures require it to be okay for you to question leadership. That is healthy, and that's something that's actively discouraged because everyone's trying to climb the greasy pole. Like to frankly happens in heaps of organisations, not just religious ones, but healthy organisations are accountable and transparent. And there's really clear processes and there should be really clear denouncements of breaches of trust like this. Yeah, yeah. So there's just one more thing I want to touch on before we finish. And it's a, look, it's a really big issue, but I do think it needs to be said that there's um, adult clergy sexual abuse support out there. So 
if you are an adult and you've had a sexual relationship with a pastor, chances are that that was an exploitative relationship. It may not be illegal. You may have entered into it um, under some uh, on some spectrum of consent. As I said, it's complex, but you know the the one of the great silences as well is to shame the women that have been involved historically and you know make this as a sin and so people who are exploited by you know predatory male pastors and it's so much more common than wow you'd ever think you know consent is a is a really big issue there what with the power imbalance so yeah I would just really encourage people not to feel the shame and to reach out and get support because you know obviously discussed a lot of heavy things and that could bring up a lot of things for people who've gone through the church or had their own experiences outside of the church of sexual violence and yeah unfortunately there is a connection between purity culture and kind of fundamentalism religious fundamentalism and abuse of all kinds well it's that it's that ownership stuff and uh, you know, people can feel free to get in touch with us here at Living Hillsong. But one of the ways that they've kept people really isolated is by focusing on this as something that people should repent from and not report. And just for, um, yeah, this whole this whole forgive and forget, like grace is always mm, applied to the leaders, yeah. never to you, right? So just understand how skewed that is. You deserve respect. Oh, the whole forgiveness thing is just another hour in itself. It's it's such a a weapon. Forgiveness is powerful and important. I think that there is a part of that, but it is not on the organisation that has let you down to tell you that it's your responsibility to forgive. That is completely out of line. Yeah, not when it's forced upon you. It's um, such a silencer. Thank hey, you ten- so much. Yes. Oh, you're yes. so welcome. I feel like we're prodding, prodding the bear here with this conversation, particularly because the cops have showed up on your door. So um, it's good for us to be very clear that we're talking here. We're not making any direct allegations about actions Brian did or didn't do. We're trying to understand, given from the evidence that we've been presented, and we're just trying to discuss and also share Tanya's story around um, her as someone who was showing interest in this case has been uh, essentially I'm on bail you're right yeah you, you, the, the, the way the law has been used to scare you off continuing to follow this story so we're going to need to watch that very carefully because as we know oh sorry Brian Houston and current Prime Minister Scott Morrison <laughs> are very good friends well, very good friends and you know while Morrison may have distanced himself from Brian, given all that's happened and the allegations, those friendships don't just disappear. So pretty concerning, I would say. Well, I would say um, that's pretty concerning. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's significant. Yeah. Tanya, thank you for what you're doing, shining a light in these dark, dusty places. And, yeah, thanks to everyone, I suppose, for listening to this rather long ramble but um thank you so much for I just think um you know there's people that don't necessarily have access to all the articles and information and and communities and networks of support that we do so I was just you know hoping we could run through some of this stuff and have get people talking just get some awareness out there that's really been my only goal well yeah thanks for thanks for inviting me along and um Stay well.
would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.